Hi, welcome to the Anti-Stigma Zone from the Epicenter. My name is Spike, and uh, today's the first episode in a long time. Uh, I'm happy to uh, introduce Kurt Locke. He's he's a researcher for... uh, I'll let him tell you who he is. One second. Okay. Um, Well, I coordinated the research for the Naomi study and for the Salome study, the clinical trials happening out of the Crosstown Clinic in Vancouver. Uh, where we investigated uh, how well heroin-assisted treatment and Dilaudid or hydromorphone-assisted treatment works for people who uh, methadone did not work very well for. Uh, And so these studies found that uh, for this population, the retention remained very high as in people stayed on the treatment and their illicit drug use was down dramatically and uh, the other variables in people's lives such as health, sociability, living conditions, they all improved. Okay, so uh, um, after, after doing all that work with the Naomi program and, and the Salome program, um, the, the, the results were positive, correct? Very positive, yes. And uh, I would, as uh, I've heard you say before, uh, it's probably saved a lot of lives for the people who were lucky enough to get in that program. So it has to be frustrating that uh, there hasn't been any expansion. We've been able to, uh, there's been no legal or regulatory barriers in the way of expansion of this program since 2016. And so considering that was about the time the overdose crisis really kicked into gear, it's been really upsetting. Uh, Especially we've had hundreds of people on the waiting list trying to get into that clinic. And of course, with my work, I I was in charge of recruitment for those programs and those studies. And I had people coming to my office, two or three different people every day, begging to get in that clinic because they saw how well it was working for their neighbors and their friends. Uh, And they knew the risks that they were facing and they were also tired of the hustle and the grind and and all the suffering that they had to go through every day just to keep from getting sick. Uh, and they wanted in there and I can't blame them for being so upset. So, uh, yeah, when it came time uh, that we were able to expand, I was really excited. Uh, and But as the years have gone by, I've become uh, more and more frustrated. But now I admit that I'm just kind of getting numb with disbelief that it still hasn't expanded really in any significant way at all. So as all the people around me are dying. So what do you attribute the, the lack of action to? Well, in general terms, we would have to say it's political will. Uh, the, the decision makers out there, people who are in charge, uh, are aware of the evidence. Uh, but, I mean, part of it, uh, I have to put the blame on, on advocates in some way, too, because there needs to be more work being done to educate the public about drug users, people who use drugs and, and, and destigmatizing. Breaking the, the stigma, thank you. So, yeah. and, and then, and then uh, when we humanize people who use drugs, then people will be more open to finding other options for them rather than just thinking we need to get them out of the neighborhood. So, uh, so there needs to be work done there. And when, when the public is more, uh, 
uh, open to treatments like heroin-assisted treatment, then that will make it easier for decision makers to go that direction. But if just based on the evidence and the need, it's tragic that we have not expanded yet. The, the whole thing in the way has been politics. And, it, and you know, I, I fully support that the, the it, stigma is, is, is why uh, it's hatred. Any way that you dress it up, it's hatred. And uh, um, I, I, I really can appreciate your frustration. Uh, I, I, I was on the both the Naomi and the Salome projects, and they saved my life. Absolutely nothing less. But it got uh, increasingly more difficult to go in and and take my medication every day. And leave my friends outside to play Russian roulette, and and you know, a lot of those friends aren't with us anymore. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's it's, you know what? It's criminal. It really is that that our society is 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 just rubber stamping these deaths. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you asking me about how I feel and how it's affecting me that it has not expanded because it must be affecting you times ten because you are much more in, uh, connected with the community. I'm, I'm connected with the community, but uh, but you're at the clinic every day and and, uh, and you've got so many friends I know who you've lost. Uh, and I'm sorry that you're going through that. I'm sorry for everybody who's going through this, uh, especially when there are real alternatives, real solutions out there that are not being implemented. It must be horrifying. So. Yeah, the, I, 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 yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate what you just said there. Um, I, it, well, yesterday when we went, we, yesterday we went and spoke with uh, UBC students and 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 faculty, and. Uh, <clears throat> It, it, it became very clear that uh, that people that were championing 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 different uh, um, interventions seemed to think that it had to be one or the other. Right. And uh, yeah, you made it clear that uh, you know we need all of them. Well, exactly. So there's a lot of different people out there with great ideas for what we're calling safe supply options, finding legal regulated alternatives to the drugs that people are buying on the street. And we need lots of different ideas for figuring out how to create programs and, and, and options for people to do that. So Crosstown Clinic is kind of the first like intervention, safe supply intervention that's been made and it's, it's a standalone wraparound service that's very medical and it's served uh, very well for people with lots of high needs and whatnot uh, and also dealt with a lot of those issues but we need other interventions for other people who aren't in need of all those services who maybe uh, don't have time to go to the clinic three times a day but still are using drugs so uh, we need to find alternatives for them and so when we come up with those alternatives we should talk about it as in how it fits those gaps that the other interventions are not meeting rather than saying we need to be doing this intervention as opposed to all the other interventions we need as many different options as we can possibly get because there's many different kinds of people with very different relationships with their drug use and with other things going on in their life so 
I, I, I support that. And, and the reality is, like somebody brought up yesterday, that uh, the people that are dying now are, are like construction workers, um, you know, uh, lower to middle class, uh, using their bathrooms. And because the neighborhood down here, we've, we've, we've come up with ways to save ourselves. And uh, although we're not saving everybody, we're saving a, a, an awful lot of people with, by going to the pop-ups and, 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 and the... The, the pop-ups are are the the OPS sites, overdose prevention sites that that started without any regulations in place for them to start. They just they just started because we nobody was coming to save us, right. and so uh, people like Ann Livingston, people like Sarah Blythe, uh, they just they just started saving lives, and yeah. and, and so it's really curbed the amount of deaths down here. Sure. But so now the people that are dying are are not from the the the, the the community of of, of 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 the downtown east side where where you know where the stigma is focused yeah. so uh but it's yeah, just so, we have to do yeah <laughs> it's just so sad that we have to go in that direction though still and think in that way like sometimes it just boggles my mind that we take so much care to create these places like insight where uh, we have all these services there and we give clean gear and, and all this other health care that goes with it at, in order to mitigate people putting in unknown and pretty dangerous substances in their body. We, why we are not just going full measure and giving people a safe version of those drugs they're, they're using on the street boggles my mind. It's, uh, the, the bottom line is we're supposed to be living in a free country. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the reality is people, do, people don't tell you when they use drugs. From, uh, people from mainstream society, they don't tell you. What, they, don't, they don't share when they use drugs because of the stigma and because of, 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 of the backlash. And, and, you know, they'll lose their job. They'll lose their family. They'll lose this. They'll lose that. You know what? I'm willing to, I'm willing to bet that, 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 you, that everybody out there would be really surprised if, if they knew the 10 people closest to them that use drugs. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. They're they're afraid to admit it because of, of 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 how our society treats it. I think we have a really dark history to look back on. Um, yeah, like the, the, these deaths are, are are rubber stamped by 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 society as a, a society at present. And as far as I'm concerned, it's murder. Yeah. Right. Well, the work you're doing, Spike, is really important to addressing the stigma. That That is a huge thing. The, the reason the politicians are getting away with not doing anything about it is because society right now overall still does not seem to care very much about people who use drugs. They uh, And that needs to change. We need to do more work on humanizing people who use drugs. Uh, um, because most people, since the day they were born, they were taught to think of people who use drugs as um, evil, bad, inferior. Or, at the at, yeah. exactly, and, and that's really terrible. So, and if we could make it, if we could find a way to make it safe for people to share that they're using drugs, uh, wow, that might go an awfully long way in in saving some lives. Because it's not safe for people to share that right now. <clears throat> okay, so um, you know, what do you, what do you see as as um, well, <clears throat> let's talk about, let's talk about, I'm glad you brought up the work that I do because, uh, I want to talk about, uh, how that, I've been, I've been <clears throat> lucky enough to be working with, 
nurses and nurse practitioners for a year and a half now. Right. And uh, I've been doing anti-stigma training for nurses. And uh, people are telling me that they see ripple effects um, of the work that I'm doing. But you know what? There's still such a long way to go because uh, stigmatization within health services is a huge issue. Um, the reason that I got into it was uh, I'm, I, I'm sure people know my history, and if not, it's on the blog. Uh, the reason I got into it is because the way that I got treated, and 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 you know, yeah. if, if 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 all of this work that I do stops one person from being treated like that, yeah. well, then it's a huge success. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, health services. Although I find upper management is is, is receptive to anti-stigma training, and 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 there is still such a long way to go. Uh, well, the important work that you're doing with stigma around healthcare professionals is is good for two two reasons. One, it's when when people who use drugs go into the hospital and they come across people who are healthcare professionals, but who still are of the mindset that they grew up with that these people are are people who are to blame for their problems. They are they are their it was their decision to use drugs and combined with perceived laziness or whatever that led to them being in this situation and therefore they are undeserving of their help. And, and this is a horrible mindset for people who actually are dealing with a number of vulnerabilities and, and uh and they're going into a hospital setting in, in, a, in a lot of need and they come across people with this mindset uh, and so they don't get the services they need. But not only that, but they get treated so horribly that they don't ever want to go back to the hospital again after that. And often you will have people who are prefer to die in their room in their SRO than go and face that kind of degrading treatment and that's where we're at now with that literally we're we're at people are staying away because of bad treatment they're staying away from medical services to the point of death and having limbs cut off and um um yeah that 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 is just so disgusting because everybody is entitled to health care and when people show up at the hospital they could be very much they could quite possibly be having the worst day of their lives and and all they need is they're they're reaching out for somewhere positive and some support and yeah. and, and and some 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 help and and to be to be mistreated and 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 and, and I I can speak to that because that's that's what happened to me. Um, it didn't matter how long it had been since I was using heroin. Just the fact that it was on my on my file from previous. Yeah. Uh, it 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 it. it, it allowed the the physician that saw me come in after a very serious accident with very well documented injuries to to withhold analgesics from me and and it was torture it was fucking inhumane well that's just it so it leads to you being mistreated in the hospital but then also it 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 leads to for and there's a few people who who are kind of immune from it because you still have pride in who you are as a person and you and you haven't let that affect as far as I can tell your the way you perceive yourself but for so many people when they're constantly treated like they are to blame for their problems in, in this sense and, and, that, and, yeah. that, and that uh, they are basically bad people for for this that starts that's how they start to see themselves and that 
obviously creates a, a cycle of destructive behavior because when you care about yourself less then you care less about what happens to you and you just go out there and do what it takes to numb those feelings altogether. So it's really counterproductive. Uh, and so the one thing I've really appreciated about Crosstown Clinic is that, uh, and something I wasn't expecting to see, is that uh, over time we've had a lot of healthcare people come into the clinic, start working there, who have not worked with the drug-using population in the past. And sometimes we've seen, you know, they come in and they're a little afraid and and they're a little apprehensive and whatnot. And... and uh, and over time, they get they to we're know not the such clients, bad people, yeah. and it's like, oh my god, these people are actually just like me. Yeah, <laughs> only yeah. they've got some significant problems, and and then uh, and it builds this empathy, and and then when they go back to other healthcare settings, they go back to the emergency room, and, and that, they share that, and, and yeah, and so I, even though we've got a long way to go, I've seen really huge improvements over how things were say 15 years ago and, and I attribute a lot of that to uh, PA, Providence Healthcare making steps to, to, to I support that and, and, and that's just it like people that are that are facing um, addiction related challenges or, or uh, um, choosing to use substances uh, however you want to look at it they're facing challenges that are specific to their world just like anybody else right, right? and 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 yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it. I'm of the opinion that it doesn't take long for somebody with an open mind to realize that we're all, you know, and that's why the anti-stigma zone was started to begin with, just to remind people that we're all the same, right? Because we are. We're all. We're all the same. Uh, on some level, we're all the same. It, now, if, if if we were all exactly the same in everything that we did and everything that we it, no, but it, we count it, just as much as each. Yes, exactly. Everybody is equal, and and and. Or everybody should be equal, and uh, well, that's just it. And, and you know, you one thing. One thing I can, you know, it's had a lasting effect on me the way that I've been treated, getting medic. Still, right now, if I hurt myself or if, if if I get sick, by the time I make it to the hospital, anyone else would have made it. You know, six months previous, I don't go until I'm close to death, and 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 that's. That's a direct. That's a direct result to how I've been treated, and and that that's unfortunate because it is causing death. Right. It is causing death, and 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 um, unless we find a way to uh, get in front of it, I know in Surrey. In Surrey, uh, I have an associate out there. He works with me, uh, Greg Bushell, and he's been talking with some with folks out there uh, that that won't go to the hospital, and he wants to start a support group. And and you know I'm fully for that. I think I think that 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 might be a good a good next move for the anti-stigma zone. And uh, yeah, well I like that. Uh, I like people who are using drugs, kind of taking over the structures in their lives and doing what it takes to keep them alive. In the meantime, united we right? stand, right? Yeah, united we stand. To, you have to do that. Right. So and that's empowering for yourselves, and that's what's going to be needed to get to where we need to go to get everybody what they need to not just stay alive but have meaningful lives so. okay, because you know what i'm living walking talking breathing proof that, that that with a safe supply one can um have a positive impact in society because i think i you know i think i offered a little bit to society um and and i can absolutely guarantee you that when um 
when my doctor cut me off of all of my pain medication, I wasn't offering anything to society. I, I, I needed to take what I could get from society, and I had, I had no choice but to take it um, by force. And yeah, it wasn't pretty. And, and, and yeah, the, the safe supply changed my life 180 degrees. And yeah, it took me a long time to stabilize, right? Uh, what, years, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I look back on it now, and I'm 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 surprised how long it took me. But uh, yeah, you had a lot of unpacking to do. I guess you'd say. Or... Well, I was in. I, you know what? I the the way I I think I was in such a deep depression because yeah. of, of of how society was treating me yeah. that uh, um, I had to claw my way out of that. And sure. and uh, you know what? There are so many people that are still in that position. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know... It, it takes a little while to learn to be just comfortable and relaxed. So, and you go through 10, 15 years of waking up every morning semi-desperate, getting ready for the fights that you're going to have to go through that day and, uh, and just to get what you need to sustain yourself at the same time and then going into a program where... Uh, Basically, all those struggles are no longer necessary. Uh, and then, yeah, just to be able to wake up and, you know, start to worry about other things in your life. Because a lot of the, something I've seen as well is when, when you're away from the hustle and grind and whatnot, a lot of the things that brought you to that cycle in the first place is like real heavy stuff. And so... Yeah, that's another good thing about say the Crosstown Clinic is that when you stabilize the people, uh, which takes time, you also need to have other measures in place to help people deal with the the things that they're maybe hiding from a little bit. Often, and not everybody is. Don't get me wrong. A lot, a lot of people don't have trauma or horrible circumstances. To you know what? But a good percentage their- of people that are are are. Um, at a place where they need, where where they're looking for entrance into a, a program like yeah. Crosstown Clinic, they will have some trauma and they will have some um, right. some unpacking to do and they will have some adjustments to make. Right, and so that's the good thing about Crosstown Clinic is that there are tools, like, measures um, in place, measures in place to to help with people who are now going to be facing some of that that darkness that they are kind of hiding from. Well, you know, once again, I can speak for I can I, I can speak for myself because when I when I when I entered uh, Crosstown, I don't know if you remember, but I had a mild stroke two days after entering because my body just did not know how to right. relax. Right? Um, right, I put my feet up for the first time in a long time, and and yeah. and, and my body just shut down because it was used to just I was yeah. used to just going, 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 and 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 you know pushing myself beyond any human limits right so uh and then even 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 after after i after i recovered from my minor stroke it, it still i was just waiting I, I i didn't think i had anything left to offer society i was really just waiting to die right. um i was i'd go and fix and then i'd go home and i'd sleep and i'd go and fix and i'd go home and i was fully conscious of of again how how society viewed you know, uh, yeah. although my injuries are well documented, and, and it, yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I said pretty serious injuries. I was still, you know, just a dirty junkie in in, in the eyes of, of, of society. Yeah. 
and it's hard to fucking it's hard to forget that um you know what yeah. you people don't let me forget it yeah. right but i'm glad that you're not wearing that well, no. you know what? I, I was for a long time, and 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 uh, I ended up at that meeting at a meeting at St. Paul's. I think it was Julie Foreman that invited me, yeah. and uh, I credit that as the day that I took my life back because um, I heard um, everybody speaking about the fentanyl right. crisis and how so many people were dying, and 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 how people needed to think outside the box, and 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 you know. That's the day I started writing. Uh, that's the day I wrote my proposal for for uh, right, right. Uh, safe injection site and hydromorphone replacement site. And, right, right. You know, it's a, it's a it's a good proposal. Yeah. Uh, you can see it on the blog. Actually, yeah, I, I'm right. gonna link. I'm gonna throw a link to it on the blog. Check it out, man. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you see as as uh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen next? Like, do you think you think we're we're at a place where well, Where we're gonna, there's gonna be some positive change, or, or, or is it, is it gonna uh, continue? Like, I, well, I mean, well, well, let me just start by saying I, I don't know. So I'm hoping that uh, someone with some significant power, who's a decision maker at the uh, Ministry of Health, will come in and decide to drastically increase access to safe supply options. Basically, whatever they look like. Well, what what we should be doing is a low-hanging fruit strategy. So we do have very good evidence in support of some options, injectable opioid-assisted treatment, heroin-assisted treatment, or even using hydromorphone. We should be going for those obvious options using evidence-based treatment rolling out in max such as like providing heroin assisted treatment at insight for example so start with the obvious options get some more uh uh heroin assisted treatment or just injectable treatment options at existing clinics uh that that are all around the province they can be capacity 10 15 people sometimes for rural areas um and and so add those programs there and then you get more bang for your buck for money that's already being spent because you created these clinics and there you, you'll have a number of people who are not using them because of stigma and whatnot but having uh, programs like this will lure those people in who are in desperate need of health care who will now come to your clinics and use and start those the conversations that need to be started right so, I, so yeah, I, 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 I just want to say one thing. When, when, when they opened the doors to the Salome uh, study, even, yeah. uh, a crime wave was averted that day. Right, right. Like, on that day, 120 people didn't have to go out and rob and steal. Right. And, 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 and I, like, I don't have any of the numbers. I don't know if you have any of the numbers. Um, um, but well, we, I know we, myself, the day that I started getting uh, injectable opiate therapy i didn't have to rob anybody yeah. i didn't have to steal anything yeah man and and 119 people just like me i can't imagine well, what that the the, the 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 effect on the court system and the the the, the legal system in general sure well i mean our evidence does show that people who came to the clinic did, did less crime once they got into the study so uh that, that is true spike um, yeah, and so just to end that point about the low-hanging fruit strategy is, uh, yeah, do do those um, easy-to-find 
high-risk populations and, and bring these proven treatments. And then once you've done that, look for those less identifiable drug users. If you start uh, and, with those and first. Find, and find some other interventions that that might work for them. You, they, you might try something that doesn't quite work. That's fine, back up and try something else. But uh, it's hard to come up with I like general ideas that apply overall. You have to find options that suit the needs of the community that you're working with. In so, the moment. Like, right. Something you said so, earlier really resonated right. with me, and that, 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 that's that absolutely nothing is scalable for everyone. No, no matter what we come up with, there's nothing that's going to fit everyone. And, and, and you know what? Think about it like uh, the people in your lodges, right? Or your people in your, in, your, in your social groups. Is there any one thing that they all do other than, that's, you know? Yeah, everybody's different. People, have, people right. have different needs and different wants and different... Yeah, you're totally right, Spike. We all have to, we have to support each other's interventions and uh, just get as many tools and interventions out there as possible, so different communities can have access to the ones that they need that suit their that suit their needs. Okay, well, Kurt, I wanna I wanna thank you for taking a few minutes and talking to me today. I'm gonna throw this up right away. Um, thank you, people, for listening. This has been the Anti Stigma Zone. Welcome to the Epicenter, because we are living in the Epicenter, baby. Peace. <laughs>